And I'm Dan. Now this is the Wikicast, the podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article where we talk about what we find. Oh, Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about Zara Tyndall. Oh! I'm not going to do that voice the whole time. <laughs> uh, Zara Tyndall, is that a royal? Uh, no, but you, she, she does have an MBE, an MBE, and an OLY. What the hell is an OLY? World Olympians Association to athletes who have participated in the Olympic Games. Oh, okay, right. What was her name again? Zara. Zara Tyndall. Okay, I'm going to guess equestrian. You would be correct. Oh, nailed it. Is she British? She is indeed. Recent Olympics? Uh, yeah, recent-ish. Yeah. Because there is, is it Zara Phillips? There is that royal, isn't there, who's um, called Zara and is an equestrian Olympian. The very, the very same. Oh, is she, so she is a royal? Yes. Oh, I, th- I didn't hear you saying that she was. Well, she's the daughter, she's the daughter of Anne, Princess Royal, and Captain Mark Phillips. So she's, yeah, so she's in the royal family. Oh, yeah. wow. 21st in line of succession to the British throne. Wow. So subject to a, a really widespread salmonella outbreak at Buckingham <laughs> Palace. Uh, unlikely to take the throne. But okay, cool. So, so tell me more. Tell me more. Like, does she have a car or a horse? <laughs> well, she is a British equestrian and Olympian and the daughter of, as I've said, uh, she's the eldest granddaughter of her mother's parents, Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Yep. And she won the Eventing World Championships in uh, Aachen in 2006. That same year, she was voted 2006 BBC Sports Personality of the Year by the public, and she was appointed Member of the Order of the British Empire in the 2007 New Year's Honours. Uh, in 2012, she carried an Olympic flame uh, at Cheltenham Racecourse, and as a member of the Great Britain eventing team, she won a silver medal at the 2012 Summer Olympics presented to her by her mother. <laughs> She married rugby union player Mike Tyndall in 2011. The couple have three children. That's it. That's where I remember hearing about her because I remember this. I remember that wedding happening. Mm. And well, so so hang on. So which Olympics was she in again? She was in summer 2012. Yeah, summer 2012. So yeah, probably it was probably like as part of that general hype of like mm. holy sh- the Olympics are here, everyone. We got British people in it. Yeah, like you know, and it was an amazing summer. I mean, I assume. Ooh, you wouldn't have been in the country at that point, would you? No, I'd have been two years away. But I recognised the name because by the time that I was starting to apply to university, the University of Exeter were talking about Zara quite a lot because she went to Exeter. Wow. What did she study? She later studied at the University of Exeter and qualified as a physiotherapist. So I think she must have done sport science or something. So she would have been on the um, St. Luke's campus, I guess. Possibly, yeah. I mean, all of the sporting facilities are on Streatham, aren't they? But I, I, th- I thought, well, because the medical school's over there. Sorry, this is very deep X to chat for people that don't know. But that, that's cool. So that means we probably actually, she must have attended like some um, chapel stuff. I, I, one of the chapels. She so must have gone to like a um, a carol service, I guess, or something, yeah. Yeah, or something. So we've sung somewhere that royals have frequented. So that's pretty mm. cool. Interesting. Uh, no, I, sorry, I forget sometimes that you didn't, you haven't always lived in the UK. Because, like, yeah, when it was 2012, I just remember that being like a phenomenally exciting time. Mm. And, like, uh, so Sydney was 2000. So you would have not been on, on Australia at that point? No. 
No. Yeah, so you missed you missed on both both ends at the the Olympic scale. Um, oh, that's a bit sad. Yeah, I mean, because I I um I didn't actually go to any of the events. I had tickets to go and see the velodrome at the Paralympics in 2012, and because I am a grade A peanut, I didn't go because I was too busy doing the diplomatic handover of items after a breakup. And ah. I thought there was still a chance I could salvage the relationship. So I thought I didn't want to cancel, even though I could go to see the velodrome. Uh, and it's one of the biggest regrets. I mean, that whole relationship is one of the biggest regrets of my life. But my God, do I regret that decision? Because mm. especially the velodrome, it looks so fun. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I remember in that 2012, I was doing a um, research project at Oxford in my third year summer. And... I was I was up on camp well not on campus but like at the sciencey bit of Oxford all all summer, um, and you know it was everywhere. Like the, the, I remember at lunch they used they literally wheeled in large flat screen TVs into the cafe that I used to have lunch at in the bio, uh, oh god, biosciences new building just to have the Olympics coverage on, and like you know because it was Oxford everyone was listening into the rowing and 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 watching the rowing on like a second monitor in their office. And stuff like that. Oh, it was so fun. It was so, so cool. I kind of mm. miss the Olympics now. Yeah, it's an exciting time. I remember being just completely blown away, away by the um, opening ceremony, certainly London. Mm. Ah, that was it. Because I, I couldn't watch. I was listening on the radio um, because I'm a pensioner. Um, because I was on my way to Snowdonia with some friends to do some climbing. And um, we just so happened to be driving at the time of the opening ceremony. So we thought, you know, we pop it on. And um, it was so bananas, what they mm. were describing. They were literally like, and now a thousand Mary Poppinses are coming from the stadium ceiling. It's a beautiful sight. And we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we literally on like a 3G connection had to get like BBC iPlayer up so we could double check that we weren't being punked or something. Because yeah, it was, it was, it was Kenneth Branagh was like the director of it, I want to say. Yeah, he had a well because he did that. He did the famous "Be Not Afeared" speech from the Tempest, didn't he? And he played um, Isambard Kingdom Brunel in yeah. it. But I think I'm just going to Google this now. 2012 opening ceremony. Um, I think that he directed it. I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds right. Uh, uh, no, no, he wasn't. Oh wait, hang on. No, Danny Boyle was the director. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And because because the thing was it, it definitely um, was such a contrast to the Beijing opening ceremony mm. because it was the, the Beijing was so overwhelmingly large and I think I, I didn't really get this at the time but subsequently I was thinking about it like the whole thing with the Beijing ceremony was it was like a large number of people working together with a common goal. Like the the opening bit with the drumming and having the numbers come up and stuff like that. Whereas with the there wasn't anything really like that in the London ceremony. It was very much more like a bunch of individuals on stage, if that makes sense. Mm. And also, it was a it, it had Mr. Bean in for goodness sakes, yeah. <laughs> and the Queen skydiving into the stadium with James Bond. <laughs> yeah, thinking back, that ceremony was a bit of a fever dream, wasn't it? Um, but you know who was there was Zara Tyndall, presumably. Presumably. What else can you tell me? Well, I can tell you that her outfit in the in her little sort of profile thing on Zara is pretty strong. Okay. It's very equestrian. Tell me more. <laughs> She's got like a navy 
tail coat with red sort of flash lapels, gold buttons. She's got a top hat on, got a white cravat. I mean, it's I mean, it's sort of reminiscent of my evening wear, if I'm honest. I've got a, pi- a picture up, and it is exactly what you think a royal equestrian would look like. Yeah. Very um, noble profile is probably the polite way to put this, if, of her face, I mean, yes. underneath the top hat. Um, funnily enough, she looks just like a character in a film I watched last night. No way. Which we can talk about in Critics Corner, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, that's actually a little bit spoopy that she, she looks exactly like this character. Interesting. Um, okay. This brings us back to, I mean, I, I remember we had a discussion just a couple of episodes uh, ago of what sport, Olympic sport would be the worst to, to perform naked. Like... Apparently, this is a sign, Dan, that we're being drawn into the Olympics. Ah. Like, if I don't know, let's say that you are put into a competition with a hundred random members of the public, like totally randomly selected, Mm. and you are asked to do an Olympic sport, but you get to pick what sport do you think you could outperform the most people in? What sport? Um. Yeah, like what Olympic sport? If you had to pick the event, hundred meter sprint. You think you back yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty quick. I used to be re- I well, the, I used to run the hundred meter sprint for school. Right. Okay. So there's justification there. Um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't had to do any sort of hundred meter sprint or really any sprinting for probably, I don't know, <laughs> six years. But I back myself still. I'm probably still pretty nippy. I was too. I've been out of the game. <laughs> You'll be too come out of retirement. <laughs> Damn! I was I was two days from retirement. Damn it! <laughs> I just bought my boat. <laughs> the live forever. <laughs> We're gonna sail around the world. I'm at, so I'm actually looking at the um. Uh, if you go to the Olympics website, I'll pop a link in the show notes and I'll pop it in our Discord call. They're these wonderful little caricatures of every sport. Mm. Um, and, and some of these are very abstract. Um, some of them are like pretty spot on. Like archery is a guy, is a stick. All of them are basically stick figures with some kind of gear in the Olympic colors, like in right. the colors of the rings. Um, but one of the one that's a little bit ominous is just breaking. Mm. And a guy mid oh god what's it called like a high hang where like you put your hand down then like you kind of make a star shape um on the ground Mm. but like that's just a little ominous i think luge is a pretty funny one (laughs) could you describe the symbol for luge dan luge um yeah so it looks like i mean i don't think i can say what it looks like (laughs) um (laughs) it looks like a pen actually it looks like some sort of like vaginal applicator. <laughs> Do you know, I mean I'm not wrong, am I? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it until now, but you know what? You're absolutely right. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's weird that. Uh I'm looking I'm looking at all of these through different eyes. I mean, it's basically it's like somebody making a pike shape. Do I mean a pike? Like a torpedo kind of shape. Mm. And then underneath them is the tiny little like tea tray of the luge. Mm. But then uh, what I love is that they've put the, the little stick man's head is at the perfect angle looking down and going, oh, shit. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> like, I am going so fast. 
Like skeleton, by contrast, is like it's it's the same tea tray, but the the person is facing forwards, and they're like well into it. They are mm. they are like way. I'm about to die. I don't know why. For this is glorious. So if you go down a little bit further, and so all of the you've got these are all sort of like stick figures, right? Mm. And they're all the stick figures are basically the same. They're in slightly different poses, but they're all sort of. You know, obviously, like gender neutral. It's just a very loose interpretation of a person, right? There's not much emotion behind. Yes. Yeah. Now, tell me I'm wrong when I say that if you go to rhythmic gymnastics, that that little stick figure's having the best time. <laughs> You're so right. Oh my God. It's some of his best life, right? Yeah. I look. I and I dance. I dance. <laughs> Watch me spin. <laughs> You, you know that that stick is going to be going in circles. I've got a little streamer. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't I think it's, it's absolutely remarkable how they can get so much emotion into just that, that sort of... That is, a, that is a stick figure that screams, Father, I was born to dance. Yeah. Like... Also, I'm enjoy. Sorry, this is this is great podcast content, people. I encourage you to go on this website and play along with us. Yeah. Um, look at modern pentathlon. Does it not look like there's a person swimming and then a person is forcing someone to to go horse riding and a person yeah. is holding a runner at gunpoint? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm choosing to imagine this is the same person. Ski jumping. <laughs> That's just somebody falling over. Yep. Ski mountaineering, of course, higher... It, like, it's the ski jumping, but just, like, the angle is a lot greater. Also, ski mountain... Oh, of course, Winter Olympics. Sorry. Ski mountaineering on a... What, like a... A skateboard? It does sort of look like that. It's like an elderly person with a backpack on a skateboard. Also, table, table tennis is horrifying. Table tennis looks like... Because it's next to swimming. It looks like somebody has been, like, submerged in the ground up to their waist. And they're trying to escape. Yeah, and then sort of decapitated or is holding another person's head in their hat because the two circles are the same size. Yeah. Oh, God. These are... I, I, I'm choosing to develop my own backstory for all of these Olympics. Oh, my God. Look at trampoline. <laughs> yeah, trampoline is given up. <laughs> this is somebody in a pike position, upside down, on a, a, like floating above a curve that's meant to be the trampoline. But it, it's just... When you it's think just, of trampolining, you think of like starting by bouncing with your legs. But clearly, the Olympic interpretation is if you're if you're not hurtling back to the trampoline in a sedentary position but upside down, then you're doing it wrong. Oh, this is fantastic! Oh, these these are these are really really good drawings. To be they fair, are. Like, they're really they capture good. It. I do love bobsleigh. Bobsleigh looks like uh, a Japanese bullet train. To be honest, yeah. I don't know how we come back from this, Dan. I'm just trying to see if there's anything more interesting about Zara. I can tell you that in January 2012, 2020, she was banned from driving for six months after accumulating 12 points on her licence. Does it say how she accumulated the points? Well, in December, in December 2000, she had a severe car crash near Burton-on-the-Water, which is sort of near where I live. It's in the Cotswolds. Oh, right. Um, no, I think she must have just... It must have just been slowly like accumulating, you know... I mean, it runs in the family, to be fair. If she's anything like her grandfather? So who was her, was her mum, Princess Anne? Yeah. So, yeah, Princess Anne was the, is the daughter of, of, of the Queen. Yes, so it would be her grandfather, Prince Philip, yeah. Oh, this is interesting. In popular culture, 
The right. graphic novel V for Vendetta, written in 1982, the year after Zara was born, takes place in 1997 in a Great Britain ruled by a fascist government. Too far fetched. Don't believe it. The only member of the only member of the royal family mentioned is 16-year-old Queen Zara. Ooh, so she, oh. Who presumably rose to the throne after the death of other members. Or death or murder, Dan. That is, that's some Game of Thrones stuff going on right there. Oh, that's a brilliant thing too, because she's royal. She's got she's got a section on her Wikipedia that says arms, like so her coat of arms. She has two of them. And it says here, the, the, ex, the, the explanation of the arms, it says, Tyndall bears her father's arms on a lozenge. <laughs> Don't you? I, I frequently take medication around <laughs> with my dad's arms on them. The lozenge is a he- in heraldry is a diamond-shaped charge, usually somewhat narrower than it is tall. Oh, okay, right. But I like to think it's just sort of sitting on a strepsil, you know. Yeah. Has she got a, a um? oh God, what's it called? A description of it? Because they normally have like some kind of very florid description of, yeah. you know, such and such on a field of whatever. Uh, per chevron, azure and or, in chief, a horse, courant, uh, argent, and in base, a sprig of forget-me-not flowers, slipped and leaved proper. Did I just have a strong... <laughs> I think you might have done. Well, this is... Welcome to British Royal Heraldry. I've got this here, right. Escutcheon. I guess that's the the description of it. Um, Oh, I see. So per chevron azure. So that's obviously the top bit. It's saying the top bit is blue uh, and or in chief a horse courant argent. So that's like the main design. It's like a white horse... Courant is a type of dance, so I'm assuming that means it's to do with the pose that the horse is in. Argent? Yeah, because you can either be... Um, it's it, So when you see statues of people on horses, there's a name for when the statue, when the horse has all four... Yes. It's like... Is it, it's like... It's like... Ram, is it ramping an argent or something? Or I could believe it. Yeah, sure. Oh, rampant. I think it's rampant. Is it rampant? Yeah, rampant. Rampant or argent. And in base, a sprig of forget-me-not flowers slipped and leaved proper. That's obviously got to be like a phrase, isn't it? That's something that... Slipped, I guess, is implying that it's like maybe like the whole... It's not just the flower. It's like the entire... Th- so like whether it's being... Or or it'll be something to do with like whether the flower is appearing symmetrical or not or... Uh, okay, right. So hang on. I've got a, a guide up here. Branches are constantly occurring, but they're usually oak, laurel, palm, or hollow. They need to be distinguished from slips, which are smaller and with fewer leaves. Right. So I, so I guess it's referring to the fact that it's just a small amount of it. Yeah. Slipped and leaved proper. So it's only got, it's got, looking at her crest, there's like two big leaves and then but loads of flowers. Oh. You've got to stop looking at her crest, mate. It's not all right. This is, it, why did they need to invent so many rules for this stuff? Imagine if, if, if we had rules and descriptions rules? like this for Twitter profiles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, today, Kalu Dan, is the first day of the Jingle Jam. Oh my god, it is. I totally forgot. In fact, I think they're about to start streaming in one minute. I'm not no even joking. Wait, hang on, let's go. Let's, I'm going to go on the Oxcast Switch. There'll be like 30,000 people watching absolutely nothing. Oh yeah, it started. They're playing carrot for a cock. I know that they won't be playing a. I wish it could be Festag because that is a copyright problem. Oh, is it really? 
Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really, because like on the time when they sh when they first watched it on stream, they were like, "Well, this is great. If you don't hear this several times, like we've done something very wrong." And then Sam afterwards, wait, why would it be a copyright problem? Uh, because it would be flagged because it is it was flagged on Spongy and Electric as being the original. But whether it's flat whether it's flagged or not, you you would be able to you would be able to say that it's fair interpretation. Like it's it's a new yeah yeah yeah. But for but it would um uh, from a monetization perspective, like right. it would it would be a problem because it would get automatically flagged and then they'd have to manually claim it every time they wanted to play it. And because of how Jingle Jam works, they'd have to claim every single video. Um, so I can understand them not wanting to to do that. It's totally fair enough. Also, like, it's a, it, it's very dumb. I think I can opt in when I'm when I'm starting my LPC next year. I can opt in. I can opt into like copyright and intellectual property as part of my solicitor. Where yeah, it'd be useful to be useful to have you as my lawyer, Dan, <laughs> for the <laughs> well, inevitable yeah. inevitable things that I do wrong. So oh god, that's so high. I I I I have such nostalgia for Jingle Jam because it has been going for over ten years now, and mm. like there are just so many good memories, especially in our house. Like oh yeah, it was a just just having it on, you know, yeah. and. Oh man, this is really really nice. What are you most looking forward to as part of the Jingle Jam sort of proceedings this year? So I believe by the time this comes out, it'll be cool to say this. I am doing a quiz um, for the Yogs on the thirteenth, I believe it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. So doing a big fat quiz of the year type thing, which I did last no, not last year, two years ago. We didn't do very much last year because obviously at uh, the Panatoni. Um, so, uh, yeah, like doing that, and I'm really looking forward to doing that again because it was so much fun last time. Um, in terms of, oh, they have released a schedule as well, but I cannot see it. Um, where are we? Okay, yeah, cool. Here we go. So there's there's tons. Of, so for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, just to very briefly explain, this is the the Jingle Jam is the monthly the, the whole month of December, except actually recently they've cut it back a little bit. Um, the Yogscast streams on Twitch, and um, they do a, like a huge variety of streams from for twelve hours a day, and it's all for charity. And every year they have raised millions. I'm not even sure how much the, the total is now that they've raised for charity, but it is millions and millions of pounds. Um, so much that they've actually now got a wing of the children's hospital in Bristol named after them. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really amazing thing. And there's, there's so many different um, things that they get up to. Just looking at the first uh, week schedule, I think, unfortunately, I cannot watch the, or take part in the Armchair Admiral stream, but um hat films christmas album it's coming back five o'clock on monday um Yeesh. yeah looking forward to that oh what about you are you looking forward to anything in particular um i'm hoping there's going to be another choose your own adventure book oh god yeah i forgot all about those because that's that's always fantastic because that's that's for people that the benefit of people at home um these old adventure books written by a guy called ian livingston who was yeah. one of the founders of games workshop um where it's a bit like a goosebumps type thing where you know you get to the end of the page and it's like what do you want to do you're playing this character if you want to punch the old man go to this page if you want to pat him and caress him on the back then go to this other page but the key thing is they also get that simon and lewis do it and simon's very very funny um, but also they have an artist draw what they are coming across and like what they're describing in real time, which is really impressive, but also very, very fun. Oh, God, hype. Hype, Dan. Major hype. Major hype. Well, speaking of major, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Trying very hard here. Do you have a choral piece of the week <laughs> for us? <laughs> 
And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. You know what? This week, Simon, I do have a choral piece of the week. Gosh. Um, and it's it's a brilliant one because you can actually hear it. Um, and, uh, and it's freely, it's freely available. Um, it is also featuring on the Luceat Christmas disc that I've been a part of, which will also be appearing on the Cathedral Music Trust's Christmas or well, Advent uh, calendar oh. for day three, I believe. But this particular, um, this particular recording, I will send you a link to it, um, is the, uh, Mark Wahlberg arrangement of... Mac Wilberg, um, of Ding Dong, Merrily on High. Ding Dong. I will be singing this this week. Oh, of course, because you're going to be down in London. I'm going to be down in London singing this. It is by far and away the best arrangement. As will I, which is very exciting. Ah, I didn't realise. Oh, fantastic. Um, we can recreate the nativity for... <laughs> I put a post on our Discord. Oh, hang on, actually. Maybe it's only on Facebook. that they haven't. I don't think it's gone live yet, because they're going to wait until the... Cathedral Music Trust also sort of promote it. But if people haven't heard this, I will, as always, include a link in the show notes. It is so worth listening to this because when you think of Ding Dong Merrily on High, it's not that. It's a far more interesting arrangement and a far more difficult arrangement as well. Like for an organist, my God, is this thing hard. It's interesting you should say that it's hard for an organist because the the original sort of organist credited on it is a is a listener a reader of this podcast. Really? Um, and uh, it was originally harder than than it's now currently being published. And I, I think I, I, th- I think they they edited the arrangement without having consulted said organist. Oh, really? Yeah, so originally the tune da, 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 was in the pedals. Oh, Jesus Christ. So can, so can you explain what that means for the listeners at home? So rather than playing the Gloria tune, in, in the sort of the, the right hand on, on a, one of the manuals of the, of the organ, or just like on a playing the piano, piano, if you like, um, you, uh, you would be using your feet to play the tune on what is basically a big, uh, a big set of um, keys on the bottom of the organ. Which is something that I think not enough people understand about organs is that you are playing quite frequently two manuals. So, you know, two, it can be many more uh, pianos stacked on top of each other, but also playing one with your feet. Mm. And then also changing the stops that you're using to change the sound of each of those um, keyboards, basically. It's yeah, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Crazy. But cr- the idea of doing that on the on the pedals, my word. Mm. so yeah listen to it people it's it's really it's really great and i am very much looking forward to seeing it this week that's a good pick down thank you so as i hinted dan here in critics corner sorry focus i didn't give you much time to edit that but for the benefit of listeners at home i took like a half a second pause and suddenly we're changing gears like it's less of a it was less of a beat and more of a um so for uh as i already hinted I watched a film last night, and it's a film. I, I, I'll be honest. I went to see to make Pixel Girl happy. I was not looking forward to it, and um, we went to. Uh, there's a fantastic cinema in Bath called the Tivoli, which is like a re art house cinema where instead of seats, they are all sofas, and there's like I don't know twenty sofas 
in the room and then they they will bring you um food and drink at your desk sorry at your at your seat so like you know we ordered popcorn and i had a beer and she had a wine and like they brought it to us so it's very premium experience um so that in itself was lovely but we went to see house of gucci now have you seen this i have not i'd like to though but i still haven't seen dune as well as an aside but yes house of gucci go on you've got to see dune on the largest screen you possibly can i Mm. i will not really i'm gonna if i can i will see it a second time Mm. i may force when i go to warhammer world uh, later this month i may force my friends to go and see it again with me yeah um ah so good anyway so i i went into it not really thinking that i would enjoy myself um and it wasn't spectacular i'll definitely say that it was enjoyable it was like a three and a half star film that was just like something that i hadn't actually watched for quite a while to be fair i haven't watched very many movies recently um which was just well well sketched out characters in some cases very well acted like lady gaga is really good in this Mm. um just going through drama for two and a bit hours like each character at every point had a clear motivation and a clear flaw and it was how they sparred with one another and the overall arc that took place between them um, was like a soap opera in that there are quite a few twists and turns and betrayals and backstabbings and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, just, just kind of enjoyable, really. At no point, and, and I think Pixagar said this really well, like at no point was I in. I, I was like, I need to know what happens next. I'm desperate to see what happens. Like I was just like, oh, this is this is, this is quite nice. Mm. Um which, which, yeah, was just quite a while since I've experienced that. <laughs> um, I will say, Jared Leto's character, f- me, um, yeah, just took me out of the movie so much. Oh, really? So, so, because Jared Leto is like unrecognizable. He's in like a fat suit. He's, he's like bald or balding with like long, str- straggly hair around the sides and just like has this very high voice and is an absolute nincompoop in the film and he's just like ah i'm a designer do you like my designs Uh," because that's the thing everyone's italian um pretty much and they sometimes speak in bits of italian and sometimes not which is kind of interesting um but yeah he's if you see the film you'll know what i mean i I don't know readers we really do like hearing from you and your takes on these films that we talk about as well because that is something that dan and i very much have in common but um yeah I, I'd be interested to see what other people thought because I thought he was terrible <laughs> in, mm. in the film. But the film itself, really, yeah, it's quite good, really. I didn't realize it was a Ridley Scott picture, which means he's got two out at the moment. He's got that and um, The Last Jewel. Oh, right. Which is the one that he has blamed teenagers having short attention spans for flopping. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's a thing. Yikes. Thanks, Ridley. Uh, what, what have you watched recently? I've been watching a, sh- a, 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 a load, a load of, um, of Friends, of all things. Hmm. I'm on, like, season nine. Uh, wait, wait, did you start from the beginning? Yeah. What the f***, Dan? I know. I mean, I've been watching Friends since, like, lockdown, but I just keep going back to it. I keep finding that I keep going back to it. And uh, yeah, it's just sort of, I don't know why I watch it. I thought I was mad for trying to start Star Trek from the beginning. <laughs> Friends! So it's a pretty old, long, old slog. I've, I've finished You now. Oh, right, yeah. It's pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I also watched, there's an Apple TV original 
starring Tom Hanks. Thanks. Um, what's it called? Oh, I think I know the one you mean. Is it like um, a post-apocalyptic type Finch, thing? yeah. Yeah. So I've been told the two that I should be watching, um, the Beatles documentary on Disney Plus is apparently very, very good. Uh, Get Get Back, I think it's called. Right. Um, and there's also, oh God, what's it called? There's one that's basically Spotlight, the movie Spotlight, but about the drugs industry. Mm. Um and it's a documentary, sorry, a, a dramatized documentary, if that makes sense. Um, oh, God. It's got, what's his face in? Michael Keaton is like the main character, which is why also like there's the comparison to, to Spotlight. Yeah, sure. Um, Dope Sick, that's what it's called. Dope um, Sick. And, oh, wait, it's on Hulu. I thought it was on Disney+. Plus. Oh, well, guess I'm never watching this because I'm not getting Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> that settles that. I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm missing something. I feel like I've watched something re- Oh, I rewatched The Lighthouse again the other day with a friend. Oh god, you're turning into Hugo. Which was pretty pretty great. Um I watched something else too. Did, have I mentioned The Green Knight? I have, haven't I? I think we talked about it a bit last time. Yeah. Um well, I, did, I, I watched you talk that. About the fact that you were going to watch it. No, cuz you watched it on Amazon Prime. I remember you saying this. Yeah, yeah. I pay very close attention during our conversations, Dan. Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? It's they're scintillating. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? Anyway, back onto Patreon Corner. Top lad. Right. Is it gonna um, do that thing again? It's gonna do that thing again, isn't it? We can't put that in every episode. <laughs> yep, it's done it. One eternity later. Dear readers of the podcast, we've had a travesty behind the scenes and Daniel is unable to um, read out the names of people who have supported us on Patreon over the past couple of weeks. So I am forced to carry this. Well, no, it's all right. I'll use the other laptop. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. My it's back fine. is killing me from carrying this podcast down. I've, I'm going to charge a chiropractor to the Wikicast account. It's all been, it's all been sorted. Basically, if you like the show, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. There is no pressure to do so. And if you have any sort of sense or decency, you probably shouldn't. But despite our urging not to, a lot of people do support us and they pay for our hosting, they pay for our editing and just generally make the show possible. Hopefully we will be able to actually do some filming um, because plans have been getting in the way and also various lockdowns and sort of COVID restrictions have been getting in the way. But um, very, very much hope that we can get some stuff sorted soon. We actually did have a filming date, didn't we? We had to cancel it at the last minute. Um, mm. we, we were going to do a bunch of filming, but fortunately we couldn't. So, yeah, basically, people who support us on Patreon, you make it possible. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank the people who support at the top cat level. Those people are Abrupt Banana, Andy... Actually, tell you what, I'm going to sort... I'm going to give them a different order for once, you know, Dan. I'm going to sort by email You're a mad rather man. than name. So this is this is going to feel completely... I'm off the chain, Dan. Somebody stop me. Uh, I'm going to read them out in a different order. I'm going to say thank you to Will Jenis Humphreys, Chocker Cat, Violet Hatch, Rents Kirk, Simon P, Oliver Burkhart, Nathan Flaherty, Miko Sepula, Leila Medina, Matt McGuire, Lewis Watson, Princess Andromeda, Jack Easton, Isabel Ostrowski, Izzy CC, Naffy Iftikar, Dame Valerie the Third, Easy, Jerry Moore, Dan Hanvey. God, it's so weird not finishing with Dan. Um, phrasing. Oliver Craigie, Cole Mansfield, Christopher Betterton, Bendant, Andy Hartley, Abrupt Banana, and Abu El Ella, the physics boy. I'd also, however, like to thank the people who support the top dog level. Hang on, it's all right, I've got it, I've got it. It's all fine, it's all fine, I've got it now. I would like to say an enormous thank you to those who support us on top dog tier, the clear... Sort by email, do it. The do it, clear, clear, clear champion. I'm actually... Uh, 
Yeah, you know what? Let's do that. Let's go email. Um, <laughs> top dog tier, the clear supreme pet of choice for the Wikicast. So without further ado, can I say an enormous thank you to Henry VII, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Sam Harvey, the everlasting student, Peter Reed, Maggie, Nafla Rock, Martin Narciso, uh, Michael Gust- Gustafsson, Codzo, Josh Shiaga, Hasse Hansen, Eve Sharples, Eric Bolliger, Jay Wright, Colin J. Brown, Ben McMurtry, Ben Caples, Aaron Carey Augustin, Adrian with an N Chan, Alistair Fortune, Lexi Andrian. at front desk, Andrian, Andrian. Oh, yeah, with an N, because there's that. I was like, well, of course it's with an N. It's Adrian. It's got an N at the end. <laughs> Andrian with an N, Chan. Alistair Fortune, Lexi at front desk, and Aaron Jorgensen. Thank you so much. Top lad. So, dear readers, it's that time again, and it's been quite a long time, Simon, since we've actually been able to read um, some fan fiction. We've had several come in, but we just have not had the time to read it out. That's yeah. been the that's been the limiting factor. We've been very busy bees, um, but as we alluded to last episode, this will be the premiere reading of the Hollow Pod, um, a fantastic looking fan fiction written by Alex. Very very excited to read this. So, did we rename it? Because I, there was there was something about, there was something to do with the name uh, sounding uh, very similar yes. to yeah. Uh, oh, did we? Did, was it was it worse before? Yes, it was called the Holocast. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Holopod. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holopod is good. Holopod is fine. I was like, hmm, this sounds kind of similar. What was it before? Oh my god. Right. Anyway, Holopod. Holopod. We're going to begin. Fergus, can you put in some shitty flute Star Wars music, please? And here we go. Chapter one. <laughs> A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. Meanwhile, Jedi apprentices continue their training in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, hoping to one day pass the trials. They attend classes every day, do all their homework, practice with the Force, (laughs) practice with the Force, (laughs) and train with their lightsaber. Unaware of the bigger threats menacing peace and order in the galaxy, two young Padawans get ready for another day at school. Or should I do the interstitials? Sure. Section 2. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? Subsection 2-1. Hello there. You know what, Dan? said Simon. Oh wait, that's me, sorry. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> Of our Star Wars if I names. You are spelled D A A H N and I am S Y hyphen M O N N. It's very good. Right, here we go. You know what, Darn? said Simon as he and Darn got out of their bedroom and headed to their classroom. The hallways in the temple were all exactly the same, but some way they barely ever got lost. Masters told them it was because the force was strong in the building, but many students suspected it was because of the simple yet efficient designs. What, Simon? answered Dan, already used to his friend's typical questions and peculiar ideas. He also had some extravagant thoughts, but Simon, well, he was Simon. I miss rain. Wait, what? This was surprising, even coming from Simon. But I miss rain. 
you know, liquid water in the form of droplets that have condensed in atmospheric water vapour and then become heavy enough to fall under gravity. I know what rain is, but how can you miss it? You've lived here in Coruscant since you were how much? One? Two? And it barely rains here. They stopped next to their class entrance. They both had ethics class, so they could chat a little bit until the teacher arrived. The rest of their classmates were already going to their seats, talking about the actual normal Padawan stuff, like lightsabers or their favourite Jedi. Hollow Girl talks about it, and I see it in movies all the time. Hollow Girl? You know I have absolutely no problem with her kind, <laughs> nor droids, but she's artificial intelligence. She's never experienced rain. <laughs> I'd never had a problem with her, honest. <laughs> it's a subtext they picked up on. <laughs> like, well, some of my best friends are hollow people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, Dan, but the way she describes it, it makes me feel like home. I feel like that's where I belong. Grey cloudy skies with heavy wet rain. Shh. Shut up. Don't let anyone hear you say that, especially the teachers. Attachment is forbidden for Jedi, remember. Focus on the will of the Force and let go all your feelings. That's what Jedi say. Quick, let's go to our places. Teacher's coming. Not completely convinced, Simon followed Dan to their desks. He would ask Hollow Girl about rainy planets later. Maybe one was close enough from Coruscant for a quick visit. Take a seat. A seat. I, I'm <laughs> doing can, the other voices. You can do windy. You can do windy. Well, I was just to break it up, I thought I'd do the sure. other voices. Take a seat. Master Windu, their ethics teacher, had arrived. Ethics with Master Windu was always an interesting class. Most, te most, most teachers would just talk about having no attachment and listening to the Force, but Master Windu tended to go a bit dark when he was talking, which brought a different take on most examples. However, Simon and Dan were usually most, more excited for their class, as it was an elective class. In addition, this meant they had to split apart for a couple of hours, which was a relief for both of them. <laughs> when they finished, Simon headed to the library for his co coding class. This is one of his favourite subjects, as there were no teachers. Instead, they used Radiant, a hollow site built on the principle that you learn when getting your hands dirty, doing and solving I wonder, problems I what this could be. in real time. Crucially, Radiant wasn't about memorising facts or lengthy formula. It was about the skills you acquire by letting, by getting your hands in and doing. Now, if you did make a mistake while doing one of these problems, no problem. Radiant emphasised making mistakes in learning as a powerful learning experience, and he made a lot of mistakes, especially while coding, so it was very helpful. Radiant.org slash Simon Clark. As he was reading his code for the 11th time, trying to find a way it didn't work, most probably a comma missing somewhere, he started to think about Hologirl. Unlike most AI, Hologirl was not a droid, but an HAI, that is, a holographic artificial intelligence. She lived in a small disc the size of a hand, and whenever she wanted, or Simon needed her, but most importantly when she wanted, she showed herself as a hologram. She'd been with Simon for years now, even before he met Dan, so they had a very strong bond between them. She was sweet, funny, and loved fun facts as much as him. As years went on, he had learned to rely on her for most of, her, of his inner conflicts, dreams, plans and ideas. Whenever he felt up... Whenever he felt... Sorry, let me just put my teeth in for a second. Whenever he felt fed up of socialising, she was the one he talked to. Simon carried her with him everywhere he went, which, as fun as it was, also meant she spent most of her time in his backpack. But whenever he had an opportunity, he took her out so she could show herself and join him. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Yeah. This version of my relationship. <laughs> Just carrying Pixel Girl around in a in a backpack all the time. Still. Much like Yoda. <laughs> she depended a lot on him. 
but that will end soon, or as soon as Simon finished his coding project. He was planning to build some engines and retractable arms into Hologirl's disc to give her full autonomy. He had been working on that project for some months now, and he still had to find the right materials and a place to buy them, but first he had to find the missing comma. He started reading his code for the twelfth time. Meanwhile, Dan had a much more interesting and superior class, Wookiee Culture. <laughs> and Master Kiadimundi was a great teacher. You could really feel how much he cared about Wookiees, which made the subject more fascinating. He could spend hours passionately talking about Wookiee history and their fights with the Trandoshians or Wookiee religion and their relationship with nature, and Dan found all of it mesmerizing. One day, when he became a Jedi Knight, Dan would travel to Kashyyyk and see those incredible trees himself. Oh no. You know how I said I was going to do all the other dialogue? <laughs> oh yeah, good. Okay, good. <laughs> In that day's class, they were learning about their language. Shiriwook. It was a very different and unique language, but as intimidating as it sounded, it was not that difficult. For example, at the first... Could sound like absolute nonsense to you, but once you knew what meant and that I'm sorry th th how am I supposed <laughs> comes from the word <laughs> it was pretty simple to understand the full meaning it was a really interesting language with an especially unique and musical sound to it I think you did that justice yeah it's so musical <laughs> thank you while Master Kiedimundi explained the differences between different uh, roaring intonations with many loud examples, Dan started thinking about what Simon had said. He told him to shut up, in part because they could go into big trouble if someone heard them talk about it in that way, but also because of how that topic made him feel. He hadn't told anyone, but was more and more frequently had been having these unnerving dreams. He was standing in the middle of a big silent crowd surrounded by tall white walls. Those people were all big compared to him. All right, a bit on the nose there, Alex, but okay. <laughs> Which was not unusual at all. Oi! But the way they stood and held themselves, it made him feel small and vulnerable. Their silence, creepy as it was, would have been bearable had it not been for the fact that they were all staring at him. Their penetrating gaze was enough to make it to was enough for him to know that absolutely none of them accepted his presence. They made him feel bad about himself, not because of anything he had done. He wasn't moving at all, but because of who he was. And in the background, making its way through the silence, a low yet constant noise. Rain. Oh. I think that's your line there, mate. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Continued saying Master Kiadimundi, taking down from his thoughts to much less creepy ideas, just as the class was about to end. Fortunately, their next and final class that day was every Padawan's fa favourite, lightsaber duelling, which also oh, meant right. meeting up with Simon. He was mumbling something about his code, as he usually did after coding class. Together, they went to Master Yoda's class and picked up their training lightsaber and equipment. Once they put on their helmet and started training, everything in the room merged together into one unique being, Force. Their thoughts and worries disappeared as their mind focused only on the will of the Force. The Force surrounded them and brought all of them together and showed each Padawan their unique path. Every Jedi had their very own connection to the Force and experienced it in a unique and personal way. 
Some understood it as a fire burning inside their soul. Others saw themselves as a leaf in a big tree rooted in an even larger forest. Every Jedi interacted with the Force in a different way. Legendary master Avar Chris, for example, viewed the song as a force. Viewed the song as a force. No, I think Each that's meant to be viewed the force as a song. Yeah. <laughs> viewed the force as a song. Each living creature a new instrument adding to it. Simon, for his part, imagined it as the atmosphere of a planet. Every person, animal, plant or being was a different air current, contributing to the whole system through pressure and temperature changes. The force, the atmosphere, was a beautiful complex field and it was his privilege as a Jedi to be able to try to admire and understand what it means. On the other hand, when Dan felt the Force, he didn't see it, he heard it. More precisely, he heard the most beautiful choral piece ever performed by the most diverse chapel choir ever. <laughs> Every voice was a different being, everyone bringing their own experience, feelings, tone and pitch to the choir. And pitch. <laughs> Yikes. They sang about their stories, fears and hopes, and they all came together in the most harmonious choral piece you could imagine. And when he was at his best, when he was completely one with the Force, he could join the choir and perform all together the song of the force. Oh god, I've just seen him speak. Here we go. <laughs> Reach out! Sense the force around you! Said Master Yoda. Obviously. As they practice with their lightsabers. Use your feelings, you must. <laughs> he hit the floor with his stick to get their attention. Before they ended lifting up their helmets, the force... <laughs> um, I'm sorry? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> The Force told them another master had entered Feel the room. the Force! <laughs> the Force like told them... I feel. Another master had entered the room. Younglings! Sorry, what is this voice? Younglings! Younglings! Why does he sound like he's from the labyrinth? <laughs> yeah, you do sound a bit like... Um, it's such a unique voice. <laughs> like, it's very hard to do. Uh, younglings, younglings, a visitor we have. Mm. Hello, Master Obi-Wan, said all the younglings together. Wait, wait, wait. So you, you need a said Master Yoda, then I need to do all that bit. Oh, excuse me. Said Master Yoda. Fergus, can you put like a choir effect on this so it sounds like lots of young people? Hello, Master Obi-Wan, said all the younglings together. Why are they suddenly small children? We're, we're, we're like uni-age students. <laughs> I don't know why. Never mind, it's it. It's canon. Hello, I'm sorry to disturb you, Master, said Obi-Wan. <laughs> I didn't realise there'd be so much dialogue. <clears throat> what help can I be, Obi-Wan? I'm looking for a planet described to me by an old friend. I trust him, but the systems don't show on the archive maps. Mm. What's the planet Master Obi-Wan has? Said Yoda to the class. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, the, the, this sentence reads as Yoda and then somebody else entirely going, Liam, the shades. <laughs> like, how embarrassing. Mm. Liam, the shades. Yoda claimed not to have any favourite apprentices, but Liam was definitely his least favourite, and no one blamed Yoda. Accidentally destroying some furniture while training with your lightsaber was one thing, but doing so every week was on another level, and Liam seemed to be perfect at it. Gather round the map reader, 
said Yoda as the lights went off and the map reader emerged from the ground. Obi-Wan left his data disc on the reader, and the room was filled with a hologram of the whole galaxy. Clear your minds and find Obi-Wan's wayward planet, we will. It ought to be here, but it isn't, said Obi-Wan, pointing to an empty space in the projection. Gravity is pulling all the stars in the area towards this spot. A missing planet? This was starting to sound quite interesting and mysterious to Simon. It could actually be quite similar to his missing comma from his coding before. Perhaps the Masters would find that interesting. Meanwhile, Dan was starting to worry about the amount of free time they'd need to spend training to recover this lost time. He had so many books to read, it was not like he could spend on top of extra hours some time swinging his lightsaber. Oh, is, this, is this Dan as Ruby Granger? <laughs> could be. Jedi Academy. Um, uh, hmm. <laughs> it's getting more Marge Simpson. Uh, <laughs> Homie! <laughs> oh, gravity silhouette remains! <laughs> but the star and all the planets disappeared they have! How could this be? Homie! A thought? Anyone? Asked Yoda. Master, because someone erased it from the archive memory. Suggested J.K. Bertola. What is the bet that that is an actual character name? That kid with one line mm. only has two lines, doesn't he? Because he's the one that gets killed in the third episode, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hang on, J.K. Bertola, I bet you that is an actual character. Yes, it is. <laughs> he has his own Wikipedia article. Superb. And oh no, it's not um, the guy who gets killed. It is a different. He had literally has one line. Wow. Wow. He's in the Bear Clan, Dan. Do you know that? In the nope. Jedi Order? <laughs> nope. Anyway. Simon and Dan looked at each other, knowing they were both having the same thought. Of course, Bertola would point out the most obvious observation, as he always did, just to get the teacher's attention and approval. Of course, it had been erased. What else could happen? It was not like planets could be wiped out of existence with some mega-powerful ray or something. That was impossible. Truly wonderful, the mind of a child is. The Padawan is right. Go to the centre of, gravi of gravity's pull and find your planet, you will said Yoda to Obi-Wan as they both continued their conversation in private. When Obi-Wan left the class, Dan felt something in the Force, a subtle change in its harmony. He looked at Simon and nodded. He had also felt it. Section 2.2. 200,000 units are ready, with a million more well on the way. So we, we changed galactic politics down. We were the we were there. Wow. Heck. That was uh that was that was pretty uh that was that was that was certainly something and it was certainly something on my voice. <laughs> well I'm excited Good to hear grief. the next section, that's for sure. Well the thing is, so we have this, but we also have um the podcast trials part three, I believe, to read. Well, should we do that next episode? Yeah, I don't think we should do it this time. We've been going, been going for quite some time today. Yeah. That's the thing, folks, is you don't really realise that um, when we record an episode, we actually record for five hours. Yeah. And we cut it down to just the best hour or so. And we and in um, that five hours, we don't allow ourselves to eat or drink. It's it's really quite something. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're truly hearing the best, you know, the, the best version of this. And we... It, it, God... We started recording at 11 and it's currently like five o'clock down. We've got, I've, I've got to eat. Yeah, I'm absolutely exhausted. Well, Dan, what have we learned today? 
in the past six hours. <laughs> Today, Simon, we learnt about Zara Phillips. Wasn't it Zara Tyndall? Oh, yeah, it was, because she's married now. Yes. Nay. Today, Simon, we learnt about Zara Tyndall. Yes, we did. Um, and we did a bit of digging on uh, various Olympic sports and found that the the artwork is... It's, well, it's, it's a work of art, basically. Yeah, the artwork is a work of art. You're not wrong. We also talked about House of Gucci, which I implore you... I, I think you'll enjoy. Um, and you, you still need to see June. Oh, gosh, I really do. I really do. Uh, I spoke about my choral piece of the week, which is the Mac Wilberg Ding Dong Merrily on High. Excellent, excellent pick choice, I've got to say. And we had a, frankly... Uh, landmark piece of fan fiction which has ruined my voice for the rest of the day i hope you're i hope you're happy but also thank you very much thank you very much to uh to alex for writing that for us it's it's certainly something amazing that's all for this episode don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice join the discord and if you'd like to see our faces check out our youtube channel spongy and electric your favorite obscure star wars padawan names friends episodes and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you needless star wars trivia i'm here for that i want emails of needless star wars trivia it's like the um do you remember in red letter media when they're talking about when they take emperor um, palpatine surgical reconstruction center exactly (laughs) i knew before i even started saying that we were thinking of the same thing yeah oh it's rich evans just creasing at that it's the funniest incredible absolutely incredible Anyway, join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And and we'll we'll see see you next time. time.